Welcome to the Indigenous 21 podcast where we... That was good. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the Indigenous 21 podcast where we discuss modern Native narratives in the 21st century. I am one of your hosts, Nikki Vinci and Matsuwa, but you can call me Didi. Do it again. <laughs> You want to leave that in? We'll leave that in. <laughs> yeah, blooper <laughs> in, the, in the beginning of it. Oh, cut that and put it before the disclaimer. <laughs> okay. Any and all express shared or implied suggestions, opinions, actions, jokes, discussions, or points of view shared on the Indigenous 21 podcast are our own, hosts and guests alike, and strictly for entertainment purposes only. They do not represent opinions or beliefs on any background groups we might identify with, such as family, village, clan, tribe, gender, age, ethnicity, race, religion, socioeconomic status, sexual orientation, education, or career professions. Content shared on the Indigenous 21 podcast can and may be emotional or thought-provoking, and as such, may contain controversial subject matter. While it is not our intent to create environments that will cause harm to our audience, we advise that you feel free to stop listening at any time as these controversial subjects will continue for any given length of time. We believe in making the Indigenous 21 podcast to be a safe space for open, honest dialogue and or discussions about any given subject as they arise from our hosts, guests, and audience commentary. Discussions, information, opinions, or suggestions shared on the Indigenous 21 podcast should not be acted, attempted, or relied upon as professional guidance or advice. <laughs> Welcome to the Indigenous 21 podcast, where we discuss modern Native narratives in the 21st century. But you can call me JD. And I am his sister, Nikki Vincian Matsua, but you can call me Didi. So I wanted to touch a little bit of a more controversial, um, really, I guess, you know, provoking type of subject with you today in this episode. Again, play on my emotion. <laughs> yes, um, especially one that does particularly hit close to home. And I'm pretty sure it's going to hit close to home to a lot of our listeners, probably pretty much every one of our listeners. Um, and that is a topic surrounding addiction and substance abuse related <laughs> to family relatives and how we see certain choices being made. And, and just, you know, it's, it's one thing to be the person, but what if like it's you're just around them? watching mm. watching it happen i was gonna say is it fair for us to talk about it because we don't have anybody here that is an addict well i was gonna go ahead and present this topic in this podcast episode we're gonna have our our perspectives thoughts, our perspectives as family members because one we are not all you know we are not alcoholics we do not identify as alcoholics we do not use any kind of illegal substances we have not abused any substances um currently not that we've <laughs> never tried anything in the past you know growing up adolescence but even then back risk. then when like, we did i wouldn't consider myself an addict you know yeah i always um, had control over yeah 
So I, I don't know, I guess just because this is something that I have been wanting to bring up on here um, and, and to open up to our audience. And because I know that this is something that I know has a lot of strong opinions <clears throat> on, depending on what your experience is, depending on what your journey is to this particular topic. And I know that there could be potentially someone willing to discuss more on this subject. So I just figured okay. this would be a good opportunity for us to actually just present it to open the it table. Up. Open yeah. up the discussion. I would really appreciate someone who was willing to join in on this topic discussion and a part two episode about the subject. And and we're more than happy to to feature you along with us. Okay, because this is a touchy subject, I just want to do a disclaimer for myself <laughs> because I'm very I'm very opinionated, very strong willed. I'm going to just put this out there. Okay, I don't believe in addiction. I, I know I know I acknowledge it's, We've seen it. We see yeah, it. I acknowledge its existence, but um, just like how I acknowledge, you know, Christianity, Catholicism, or like it's there, but you don't believe. Yeah, you don't believe in that. It's philosophy. there. I know it's there. Mm -hmm. I know it's it's in existence, but I don't believe in it. I think that aspect of it, um, and looking at the, you know that um, characteristic of somebody, is really more so. Um, just it's it is it's an opinion. It's it's based on opinion. Um, and then you can have someone who does actively work within social <clears throat> services, who, you know, is a therapist, you know, who is a doctor. And then mm -hmm. they can go into the all sciences and the chemically brain stuff of it all. But in the culture that we were raised in, it's 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 a very high discipline in terms of self-accountability. Right. And that is how you know, we, we were, raised. were raised is that you are always accountable for your actions. You do not shovel uh, any blame onto like some something else. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's, for it's your, you, are, your, you always your own action up to choices. What you do. Yeah. Right. Uh -huh. That is. Right. And that just came from our parents mm -hmm. and from my grandparents, our grandparents, even our thahas. But even our then, uncles. to like being part of the Native community, we have the highest rates of suicide. We have the highest rates of addiction. We have the highest rates of Alcoholism. alcohol abuse and substance abuse compared to any other ethnic minority within the country. So ratio-wise, we are at a higher risk potentially. Right. And some people could actually argue that, you know, it's a miracle that we haven't done anything or, you know, haven't been arrested for this and that. And we, we don't have any records pertaining to, to, you know, substance abuse. Right. When you, when you say we, when you <laughs> like say you we, and I, I'm just talking oh. about us here. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot, we cannot speak to anybody else on this matter. Notice that when I say we, I'm just referring to my sister. There would be no reason myself. for me to get arrested anyway. I mean, aside from the fact that, you know, growing up in, in my teenage years, which is around the time when I mostly did, you know, I I smoked marijuana. I did drink alcohol. Uh, but and even though it was illegal on the reservation and our reservation is dry, meaning um, alcohol is illegal. To sell, yeah. to consume, to sell, to consume, to possess. I, I'm, I always, I always stayed home, or if I was not, not, at, not at home necessarily, because I never did that 
in my mother. Yeah. Or yeah. In front of my, in front of my parents. And I tried not to do it at my mother's house. But when I did do that, you know, I basically sat still. I, I stayed still and I always surrounded myself with people that I really, really trusted. And I never, I never drank or did any of those substances outside of my what i considered back then my inner circle so now she's saying she never drank around me except for when you gave me my first sip of alcohol mm-hmm. which you know i didn't say to- i never i didn't say <laughs> i did not say i never drank around you i said i didn't do it around my mother i'm around my parents around our grandparents and stuff like that yes and yeah you you were the one to introduce me because what, what was your thinking behind that my if, thinking if you, gonna, if, if you knew <laughs> i was gonna eventually i did you know, I the high probability well, yeah, of there me was to experiment huge, with this and yeah, to try it. There was there was not one youth member that I knew of, either me growing up or watching others that were younger than me grow up, um, that did not experiment with it at one point or another. And my thinking was, because you were getting of that age and I saw a lot of your um, your school, I guess your classmates, and out in the community doing it too, even though you didn't see it. And I know they probably didn't do it around you. I'm not sure of that. I can't speak uh, um, in indefinite for that. Mm-hmm. But um, I was seeing it was starting, you were coming to that age to where it was starting to happen in your age bracket. And <laughs> because, um, I don't know, my, my only logic was, was that your, your first time is going to be somewhere with somebody and i i i don't know why i thought this but my logic was i'd rather you do it with me that way i knew that at least for your very first time it was it was in a safe and trusting environment (laughs) because because alcohol and substance uh consumers out on the reservation it tends to, to go get overboard. yeah it tends to go really overboard to a point to where people start blacking mm-hmm. out and then people start getting violent mm-hmm. fights just start happening mm-hmm. people i i've seen this in my own peer group where people just start setting people up you know either to get jumped or to get gang provoke, banged just provoke, no yeah. gang banged or something like that so just people would set up these unfavorable scenarios and and when once people are under the influence intoxicated you know and they don't remember they drank themselves to where they are blacked out that i never really wanted that to happen to you and but i saw it getting really close to you and that that was my only logic yeah it might not have been the best choice at that time Mm -hmm. but for me in my own thinking i'm always thinking of ahead I don't know. That was my well, logic to one it. One thing that I do remember is, you know, before, like, it's not like you just handed it to me to, for me to try to. I do right. remember you lecturing me and talking to me and giving me the what if scenarios, you know, and just make sure you don't do this. Make sure you don't do that. You know, typical, you know, older sibling advice mm-hmm. that you would give to me. I do remember a lot of that. It was something as an adolescent and not knowing any better and just, you know, doing it for the sake of it, mm-hmm. it really didn't get a hold, catch a hold of me that much. Like it really wasn't a big influence on me. Like I do want to say that the times that I have consumed alcohol as a minor mm-hmm. has always been really with you mm-hmm. and not with anybody else. Mm-hmm. So in terms of my experience, 
you know, in drinking as an underage native kid on the reservation, that is to the extent of what it was. I really didn't drink anything too when I was, when we moved down here to the Tucson area, I was Mm -hmm. around 15, which is, you know, prime drinking age, really, if you're looking at the statistics within reservation lands, Mm -hmm. you know, 15, 14, 16, you know, that's when kids start to be more active. They have easier access to it through relatives and stuff like that. Right. Um, I, I never really got involved in any of that down here, um, even smoking of weed. Well, that was because you were always active. You had, after moving down here to Tucson, you had more opportunities to keep Be more yourself involved and stuff occupied. So then are you saying that those who do partake in these substances just don't have anything better to do? do you no, think I mean, we're more, we're more likely because we don't. <laughs> The okay, so so I get on reservations, at least the one that we come from, the most predominant activity to do are sports. Mm-hmm. There really isn't too much other than sports like running, basketball that is out there for us to do. At least when I was growing up, there were no arts outlets. I mean, aside from taking an art class during were, class hours. Yeah, I think when you were at the high school, there wasn't really that predominantly and mm-hmm. a good there was a music art class. Programs, yeah, yeah. Whereas and, and this is another thing too to mention, which I did want to mention earlier, is that when she was talking about me getting into that age range to where I could be more exposed to it out home on our reservation, the junior high and the high school are in the same building. So you yeah, have, it's on the same you know, campus. these 11, 12, 13 year olds in the same space as the 17, 18, yeah. 19. And in our growing up is, is a bit unique from our peers because they had siblings that were at least one to two, you know, anywhere from one to two years apart where you, me and our oldest sister were all seven and eight years mm-hmm. apart. So we didn't really have... Anybody, I mean, yeah, we had our relatives or our other, our clan, our clan brothers and sisters that we went to school with, of course, growing up. But we never went to school with one another. Yes. Yeah. So there was never that lookout person or the person to keep you in line. If anything was going around school, that was like, oh, have you heard about so-and-so? Like you weren't there to catch anything. Yeah. And then if somebody were, and if we got into um, a situation where, like I said, those unfavorable circumstances where people set you up or antagonize, push you to where you're going to get into a fight or something like that, we really didn't have anybody to rely on or have our, have our backs. We had our own backs basically. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, I guess just growing up from, from my adolescent experience, like I said, there was no program for, you know, me, I, I was really highly into, you know, the performing art arts i like to dance i like to cheerleading was yeah the, yeah the cheerleading cheerleading was pretty much the only thing that i had available to me even like my last um my last year of high school my senior year that's when we finally had a drama class mm-hmm. but again that's during school hours during the regular school schedule so i will say though in terms of not having anything to do and you're just gonna you know try drugs and drink <laughs> um i have seen artists out home who do use the funds that they do make off of selling their dolls off of selling their jewelry Mm -hmm. and then they'll go ahead and buy the alcohol and then you hear you know the story about so-and-so is lost and down in phoenix you know Mm, they're on the spree yeah yeah coming from our res you know there's always those code words that um that the elders would use or that you know married couples would use oh is so-and-so lost again that was a code word for Mm -hmm. 
you know are they drinking are they yeah are they on are their they sprees on the out in town are you know they haven't been around and, yeah you know growing up out home on our reservation seeing that within our own families our own relatives hearing about it from our own relatives and it's not just alcoholism you know there's other substances that have gained a tighter grip on our community since we have left and it's like we're, we're hearing all of these stories from out home mm-hmm. and we see these family members and it's like i don't know how, how, how do you feel in terms of breaking the cycle like where do we draw the line in saying that how are we going to change our community how are we going to eradicate these behaviors I, from our community is it up to us is it you know i mean while they, we address ha- they it? while they do have programs out there at least from our tribal reservation you know we have uh, programs that are available through the Hopi Foundation for substance abuse, you know, domestic violence, things like that. And because there, there is this addiction is considered a disease. It's something that they can't help. I, which is I, something you don't agree with. Which is something <laughs> I don't personally believe in. I, I, I get it. I, I mean, I'm, okay, so when I say I personally don't believe in it, it's something that I don't apply to myself. But then again, coming from the perspective of someone who doesn't have an addiction, you know, that's I I see someone as going through this process coming against us and saying, well, since you don't have this problem, you don't know what it's like. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's true because I've always been able to stop myself or to say no. Yeah. Or or to limit myself. And, And speaking of saying no, too, it's like we. okay, so. You and I, you're in your mid-30s, I'm approaching 30. Mm-hmm. We haven't really drank. I haven't really drank, like, what, in the past three years? Yeah, every now and then, you know, just to be very transparent, we will buy alcohol every once in a while. Whether but it'll it's last forever. wine <laughs> or, yeah, or if it's um, just, you know, a six-pack of, of some type of beer. Cider. Yeah, <laughs> cider beer. It, it'll stay in our household for months mm-hmm. on end. Mm-hmm. And, and if I crack something open, I won't even finish it. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll drink it to sip on it to, you know. It's very um, occasional, yeah. very social, very and few and we far don't drink between. beer. I don't drink beer. You don't drink beer. No. We, the, I hate the taste of like, no. just plain beer. But what, and that's something that we have seen our family members drink. And it's like. Well, because that's what's available. Because those that's that are. That's the cheapest thing that is available. Yeah. Yeah. Because those that are bootlegging <laughs> on the reservations, that's the cheapest thing to buy. And then they know people are going to want to buy it no matter what type it is. So. <laughs> there you go. There's. I mean. <laughs> but then again, you also have to reflect back on our parents' culture in the boomer population and them going away to college, being exposed to, you know, that drinking culture back in the 60s, 70s, mm-hmm. how that had influenced their habits. And then you also have a good portion of our population, too, within our elders who are vets. Yeah, who served And who in turn the to alcoholism to try to suppress certain things that they have right, experienced right, overseas. Right, right. Um, so, you know, I, I understand, and, and we do know, because we, again, this is very... You know, it hits home with us. We see it within our relatives. We lost a family member, you know, due to due to this these things. We have several, um, not several, like there's a whole lot, but we do have more than one family relative who is serving time right now because of, you know, these things that have happened and the choices that they have made and right, and what they right, have done. just because they can't stop, they so, can't, they 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 can't. I guess it's just they're they don't know their limitations. They have no control over. 
keeping themselves at a limitation and even just the sight of it you know it's like there's this mentality that i've seen where it's just one i'm just gonna have one mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it's like I dude it, but to me yeah. it's like dude you know your own self you know your own patterns because you've done it before. mentioned it and <laughs> and even called yourself out on it so many times saying i just never know i i just always get myself into these situations and what's wrong with me i can't stop it's like okay if you already know if you're already aware of that why even put yourself in that situation to begin with mm -hmm. because obviously and i'm sorry i don't mean to sound very judgmental but i mean this is just my whole thinking is just like if you already know that of yourself and you know that this is in an area that you fall susceptible to and you're not very strong in then why would you put yourself in a situation to fall into that that will increase your chances of falling into that that path of destruction the frustrating thing that i see is how once they're in that state of being then they want to have other people feel sorry for them you yeah. know into a situation that they Sympathy. got themselves into yeah it's like Sympathy. like why are you mad at me how come you're not feeling sorry for me and i guess because you and i have seen it happen time and time and again yeah. with certain relatives like we're through with feeling sorry if it's mm -hmm. just this hamster wheel of yeah of, and it's and it's it's and it's not because we're mad at you it's because well for me it's because i love you enough to want better better for you and this particular pattern that you're going down on and you're and how you're treating yourself i don't like it and i'm gonna stick up for you even when it's you yourself that is your own worst enemy for me that's the sincerest type of love that i can give to you I don't know. It just gets really frustrating. I, I, I get really impatient with it. <laughs> I, I, I will I will admit I do get really impatient with it. I don't have any room for that type of self, I don't know, guilt trips, I guess. Because Mainly because we, you know, you and I have have essentially grown up compared to these relatives who are around our same ages, older than me, around your age, you know. Mm -hmm. And we see them making these negative choices that have a negative impact on not only their lives, but their own family's lives. And right. if they have children right. or their parents who are always having to bail them out and having to take care of their children for right. them because of these choices. Right. You know, and I think because, you know, they say not to compare yourself to other people. But in this instance, it's like you and I have been able to grow up and to at least obtain our own careers, maintain our career job positions for the past right. six plus years we are responsible for our whatever our obligations are whether they be financial or family yeah. you know and and not to like, say that we're what what's the excuse of not having this other person that we know who has grown up with us in the same freaking family what's your excuse for not being yeah. on the same level and as that's, I totally, where, that's where i'm coming from well you know? i totally get to that for other people i mean everybody has a story there's something that it stems from whether it be neglect child abuse sexual abuse i mean i will have to and this is the first time i'm admitting it and this is something that i know that has triggered that has had a help in triggering you know um our own relatives is that you know there's there's these things such as you know 
sexual harassment that happens within our communities and the sexual harassments and 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 abuses that occur come from people that are supposed to be that we're supposed to be trusting in mm -hmm. meaning our relatives i will admit it has happened to me it has happened to others that i know that have kind of turned to alcoholism or substance abuse and i know maybe they had parents that were also alcoholic or addicted to another form of substance abuse and they've gone through that household upbringing of domestic violence mm -hmm. and to be to pull back the curtain on our own situation our household wasn't perfect either you know and we did have occurrences to where there were violent outbursts in our household i almost drowned as a child because an adult decided that drinking was going to be a higher priority than staying with me and one of our relatives at the pool. And I almost lost my life that day. Just things like that. You know, I, I totally get it. I, I, I understand that we have all, all of these emotional scars and baggages. But <laughs> why would you do something that makes it feel worse you know after, right when you come out of that situation right right because and you know how it's gonna end. right for me i <laughs> and 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 this is me i'm 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 a very private person i'm very selective with my inner circle i don't cast a very wide net of friends I have acquaintances and people that I admire very much that I come across, but it takes a lot for you to come into my inner circle. Growing up with all of that stuff, it's just made me more selective, I guess. Mm -hmm. And for me, I chose not to allow those unfortunate circumstances to overrule what was going to become of my own life. I didn't want to rob myself because in the end it wasn't me that did wrong it was somebody else that did wrong mm -hmm. and because i became a mother at a young age at 20 at the age of 21 i i just didn't want to ever put my son through those experiences those experiences we've, we've seen, yeah, that we've yeah. seen over and over mm -hmm. and over it's just a it's just a decision that i made for myself it's a life's mission that I've made for myself to, like I said, not let those things define me or determine yeah. my future outcome. From our perspective and where we're coming from, where our mentality is, is um, one decision that I made back when I was 19 was the decision to not drink coffee, not drink any soda. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's a, it's a, and you know, I know, yeah, it's a big decision in your life, but you know, I made that choice no, for myself to, to one soda, of course, you know, high sugar consumption. Again, our, our group, our ethnic group is the highest percentage ratio wise diabetes. for diabetes. Uh -huh. Our, our father is a diabetic. And so, you know, I, I decided, okay, so sugar is not really that good for you. I'm going to go ahead and cut out as much of it as I can. And mm -hmm. tea is my only consumption of caffeine mm -hmm. i only drink tea and water and i have only been drinking tea and water for like the past decade now, right right and and then also you can i mean i get that you know substance abuse alcohol alcoholism is something different but you know as far as you your mention of caffeine and all that or um you know there's such a thing as food addictions mm -hmm. too mm-hmm and and again like i said i i know addiction is a thing 
but I just don't believe in it yeah. because it's to me, I'm too, I guess I'm just too stubborn enough too too stubborn to give into a concept to where I'm out of control of it. It's out of, it's out of my hands. We are driven enough to have that willpower to actively make these decisions and right. say, no, I just don't want to do it. And right. that, that be the end right. of it. And know? then, and then it's also me taking on that accountability that if I do decide to do it, yeah, it was all me. Yeah, I made that choice. Yeah. And and nobody else is to blame but myself. So in terms of the perspective of seeing, and I know this is going to be highly controversial, but in terms of seeing these addictions as weaknesses, is it a weakness to our community and how we are depriving the younger generation in terms of what they're exposed to, what they are seeing their their community members, how they're seeing them behave while they are under the influence. I've is seen, it a weakness to our community? Is it a yeah, weakness to our people? Because I, I, I would think so because I have seen some um youth out there where if you know, because they're so used to being in the chaos of the addiction you know, of either their parents, their older siblings, mm -hmm. some Chaos, kind of, like some kind of, yeah, some kind of family member that frequently, that frequents the house a lot, that they're around a lot, where I've, I've seen the kids get influenced to where if everything is okay and there's no addiction, no drinking, no substance abuse, no domestic violence about in the house and everything's fine, everything's calm. I've seen where the kids can tend to create that chaos on their own. Because it's not happening Because anymore. it's too calm and they're not used to it. And I've seen them where they, you know, where they actually start acting out. They start misbehaving. So we know from history that, you know, there could be all kinds of causes leading up to these choices to, con to consume these substances. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to combating and, and making sure that it leaves our community, why do you think we're losing hold on our community? Why do you think it hasn't, you know, there, there hasn't... Remedi remedied well, itself? We don't know the actual numbers, you know, like we could have done more, more research into this. I just wanted to get our feelings, you know, our, our, mm -hmm. our feelings and emotions <laughs> set on this in, in terms of our own personal perspectives mm -hmm. when we introduce and if someone is willing to you know um join us in a part two discussion on this we can actually look at the numbers the statistics and see how well you know what data is being recorded in this community or that community but then also trial. like i said the data and the and all that stuff is subjective because one there's not a whole lot of people that are reporting it. Or two, it's not accurate reporting and yeah, people it's are not, just taking surveys and you can answer however right, you want to on a survey. Right, right. So a lot of the times, you know, indigenous people, we tend to keep our problems to ourselves, like our Real in our issues. Household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the, the whole saying of, you know, therapies for white people, you know, that that holds true, especially mm -hmm. within our community. But when I'm talking about this being a weakness to our people, I mean, I literally have seen posts on Facebook where it's like they're praising themselves for being one day sober. 
for being one for like five days sober which yes okay not to not to belittle this person's accomplishment like mm-hmm. yes it, it might have taken a good amount of effort to actually not do anything for the past 24 hours or for the past week but when you're setting the standards that low it's like like you know for, i'm and i'm you know i'm this is this is me talking is as if like i'm talking to you know the the youth that i'm coaching or to the and youth again, that I'm i work with addicts, this so. is me talking to like my nephews if you're out there listening my my nieces if you're out there listening you know it's like how can we say that we're improving as a community if we're going to set these minimal successes to such a low standard and say that's an accomplishment well, you know I, guess. I haven't had a sip of a sugar in the past three hours, so yay me, you know? Well, I know that. It's not my, <laughs> it's nothing compared to um, a six-month mark, year, a year mark, five years. But it's a seed that's being planted. It's a, journey, it's a step. It's a seed. In a direction. Yeah. And, okay, yeah, okay. So if you mention it that way, then, yeah, it's a, it's a step in a direction. Mm-hmm. Now that I do see it in that perspective, then I'm going to say, okay, that, that post is still a positive post. Yes. And, you know, we should be doing everything we can to encourage these people. Now that right. I, now that you have shown that perspective to me, <laughs> see, you know, and again, there's always room for growth. Like I said, I don't, I don't believe in addiction for myself, <laughs> but I know it's out there. For your, from your own experience. Yeah. That, that is your journey. That is what, what you believe in for right. yourself. But, um, but in th- thinking of other people, I know it's going to take, it takes a lot. And, and step for those of you guys who are wanting to call us out for being judgmental on other people, you know, you guys know as well as us that if you are truly an indigenous person, a native person, it's not just all about you. It's it's you caring for the community. It's mm-hmm. you caring for your extended family relatives, your family. You know, you take care of everybody around you. And so what when you, you see an effect when you see something whole. that is having a negative effect on that family, on that relation. It's like, what, you know, how are you going to fix that? How are you yeah, going to I that? Think, and I think it gets to a point, too, where it goes back to old teachings for indigenous communities where we don't have there to us. There's no such thing as minding your own business. Yeah. Because yeah. how you how you conduct another. yourself and how you carry yourself and and how you treat other people and yourself has an effect back on to your household, your community. Yeah. And it reflects on to who you surround it, it yourself does, with. It does. It does. It 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 we're not we're not so individualized like our Anglo European counterparts. Yeah. It's we we are more communal. The, the I identity, the only me identity. Right. Yeah. And and that's one thing where I do try to teach, you know, the kids that I do work with in my professional setting, the term, you know, relations or, or, the, or the term, you know, Relatives. reflection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the word I use for these kids is reputation. That's mm-hmm. what follows. It's, it's basically mm-hmm. just a reputation. Mm-hmm. And who knows about reputation better than teenage kids? Yeah. Better than kids. And I think that whole thought process has started to shift, especially with the younger generation now, because I do hear it. I mean, what do you care? You're not the one doing it. Or what do you care? You're. Yeah. <laughs> it's me that's doing it. It's not you. And it's like, well, okay. First of all, because I, you and I grew up together or you and I come from the same, you know, our grandmother from, from the same clan household. 
are are we still not a family? You know, I mean, and then yeah, and then what do you care? It's like well, I care because we're we're family. Yeah, and I love you. And you know, for those of you Hopis out there, you know, we we can even and pull an example of saying this village behaves this way. Oh, they're from that village. Oh, no wonder why she's like that because they're all like, you know, they act <laughs> like that. That's how they yeah, are. That's how they do it over at first Mesa. That's how they do it at third Mesa. Yeah. And for the most part, you know, I know there are, there are practices in my life that I know aren't agreeable to, to most, but in the grand scheme of things, what I'm thinking about, and that's always in the back of my mind as I'm going throughout my life is, it, it it always boils down to what would Taha say? Mm-hmm. What would your soul yeah. say? Yeah. yeah, what would Taha say? Our Tahas are our household disciplinarians and they have the right to tell us when when we're doing wrong and to punish us if need be. Um, my whole thought process is, am I going to get in trouble with Taha? How I see this affecting my community is, you know, it's it's just that bad reputation. It's yeah. You and know, the thing that about us is that we're very direct, we're very straightforward, and we cut out all of the filters. And and to me, I mean, <laughs> our tactics are going to be different in the delivery of it, but um, for the most part, we're going to be honest. But like when you go to the stereotypical like native. There's going to be that stereotypical drunk native in the downtown of some city. Mm-hmm. You know, that's something that's just there. Fire water drinking Indian, you know. And are you ashamed of it? It's ashamed is kind of like a, when I think of ashamed, I think of like, like a shyness. It's a frustration, really. Mm. It's like we, we claim, native people claim to be all knowing in terms of like respecting Mother Earth and yeah. And having respect, you know, in Hopi, we use the word gyapsi. Mm-hmm. And we claim to have this spiritual knowledge of self-discipline, of how to be respectful. And yet we are allowing our own family members, our own clan members, our own community members to partake in these actions that are hurting our communities. Right. We and hurting know themselves. Who these who these dealers are. Mm-hmm. We know who these um these bootleggers are they're we in our own do. family they're our own family members mm-hmm. and because and this is the frustrating part because everybody is related at home we have one brother who is in the police force and then we have another brother who is out dealing you know this is hypothetical i'm not saying i'm not calling anybody out specifically <laughs> but like a family could have a relative in the police force while they're having another you know that's another cousin out there dealing and bootlegging something but yet not, that person's not being arrested. Mm-hmm. They know what's happening. And this is the frustrating part is we know who these people are within our communities, but there are no actions being taken. Well, And also you have to look at the laws of each tribal community as well, because um, I know for at least the Hopi reservation, there's no limit to how many DUIs you can get on the reservation before you go to prison. It's not like the urban area where... You, you have get, a record that follows you everywhere. Yeah, yeah. you have yeah. a record and you get so many things and then you're put away to, in prison for, even if it was just just driving drunk, mm-hmm. quote unquote. I guess it's start there. 
um, you know, amend the laws to where there's actual accountability to the people. I know in some tribes, they do actually, um, what do you call that? They do kick people out. Like you, you lose they your... Exile. your <laughs> they actually do exile. <laughs> you, you lose yeah, your membership. They, yeah, they exile people wow. off the reservation and they ban them off the reservation because they're 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 changed. creating havoc yeah. and, and, and they're just being continued, you know, causing harm of the community, putting the whole community in harm's way. And I know that there are some tribal communities out there that do that. Who um, are wanting to make those changes. You know, then then, you know, when push comes to shove, this is the only way that we can really see to eradicate you know, yeah. le- these things from our community. Yeah. But then there's also the other coin of it to where we don't believe in kicking one another out or leaving the other to our own defenses. We have we have to have a support system. But, but I don't know. Like I don't know. It it's just to, hard. Like, it's I don't know. Hard. I guess the other thing, too, is just frustrating. Like, don't bail your kids out if they're out there mm-hmm. drinking and driving that's like, one thing our mother never jail. did that's to us that's one thing that our mom said if you get arrested for this and you're that, staying they're in ta- there they're taking you i'm not yeah. getting you out you know yeah and again it falls back to that culture of accountability it's taking responsibility for your actions not feeling sorry for what you did because you knew what you were doing mm-hmm. you know is, you have no control really, over it once you start it's, it's a, a choice really you made it's great. to me to me that's the way i see it is that um you know once you start on it, there's no stopping you. It gets frustrating. Yeah. I get a, mad. It does. No. I get mad. Because, again, like I said, I'm pretty sure every single listener has a relative out there from the Native community. Like, we all have a family member who we have seen time and time again. Like, just go on this everlasting cycle of, you know, the same episode. Self-destruction, basically. Yeah. Well, if you have want to join in on the discussion, I know... What we might have said might not have been very popular Rubbed to the masses. Way, sorry. We no, I'm not. I'm not sorry. <laughs> That's just how I feel. But um, if you want to join in on this discussion and you know share with us your perspectives, we're more than willing to l- listen to what you have to say. Especially if you um, would be willing to offer examples within your own community. Like, how do the laws work within your tribe? How do the laws work um, if you get caught and and you know what what happens please join us on all of our platforms on anchor.fm and as well as our youtube channel indigenous 21 not to mention our social media pages on facebook and instagram leave your comments likes subscribe and please share the content become part of the discussion we look forward to your engagement we'll see you in the next one